Man, so, so, so thankful. And I'm thankful for you. I've been praying for you all week. You didn't even know it. But you've been prayed for. I am so grateful that you are here and are with us. And man, I'm so excited about what we're doing this year with this 260 reading plan that Kaylin was just talking about. So she said on Tuesday, we're starting reading and it's just one chapter a day right through the New Testament, Monday through Friday. But if you do that consistently, you're gonna read the entire New Testament in a year. So Tuesday, starting uh, Mark. But listen, tomorrow... It's the end of Hebrews. It's Hebrews 13. Last time. You may not want to gonna miss it because in the first five verses, you get love, sex, and money. <laughs> I'm telling you. You, you may not want to miss out on tomorrow's reading in Hebrews 13. You're just like, Easter, Schmeaster. Let's just get to Hebrews 13. Come on. Okay. Happy Resurrection Day. Happy Resurrection Day. Listen, as Jesus was approaching the end of his time here on earth, and he knew that he was going to be headed to the cross and then would experience that first Easter. But before he even got there, he said, this amazing and profound statement. He said this, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. Now, just, it's such an interesting phrase because he didn't say, I'm about to be resurrected. Now, he said that other places, but not this time. And he didn't say, and I am alive. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. And he was doing something incredible here because he was telling us something about who he is. Not about what he was going to be doing. He was saying about who he is. He is the resurrection. He is the life. There is no other hope that we have, friends, for experiencing life than except to come through the person of Jesus. And that should be really, really important to us because I believe that one of the things that is common to all people is that we long, we have a longing for more life, more meaning in our lives, something deeper, an experience, some spark of of, of like real true life within us that we all have. And you know what? And people do some crazy stuff in order to try to experience that real life, right? I mean, they do crazy, crazy stuff. Like go into debt. Because if I just get that one more thing, if I like get a bigger house or if I like get a bigger boat or whatever it may be, it's just like, I, I don't care. I, I'm gonna spend it because I want, I want more of life. Some people do crazy stuff. My brother, my son went and jumped out of an airplane. That's pretty crazy. But you know what even more people do? Jump in and out of relationships. <laughs> Trying to find life. You know, through another person. And other people, man, they, they experiment with drugs. They, they think that maybe life is gonna be found at the bottom of a bottle. 
You know what I mean? All kinds of things. People will join a cause that they think, man, maybe, maybe if I just dedicate myself to this, that I'm going to find something of deeper meaning in a real life. People do all kinds of crazy things, even walking through the door of a church. Can you imagine anything that might be a little crazier than that? We all crave life, a better life, a more meaningful life, maybe even a, even a longer life. There's this really rich guy here in California. His name is Brian Johnson. He's a tech CEO, 45 years old. I don't know if you've read about him recently, but he is spending $2 million a year in order to try to extend his life. And his goal is to like to regain the body of an 18-year-old. $2 million a year to experience more life, longer life. So he actually has a medical facility in his home he has 30 doctors who he visits regularly in order to do these tests, and some of them are really quite invasive. He adheres to a hyper-strict diet. He has 35 different exercises that he does every single day, and he takes two dozen supplements and other medicines at 5 a.m. every day, every day, every day. Now, Johnson's lead doctor, who charges up to $1,000 an hour for his services, admits that the results that Brian is receiving are minimal. Here's what his doctor says. We have not achieved any remarkable results. He says, we have achieved small, reasonable results, and that is to be expected. So what is driving him to do this. Why is Mr. Johnson spending $2 million? Let me give you his own words. They're gonna be up on the screen here. He says, what I do may sound extreme, but I am trying to prove that self-harm and decay are not inevitable. Self-harm and decay are not inevitable. And I'm like, really? <laughs> really? I mean, you're really smart and you're really rich, but really? Now, the self-harm part, I get, right? That, that's like a good idea. That's not inevitable. We should stop harming ourselves. But decay? Listen, decay happens. Science tells us that. Life experience tells us that. Thousands of years of human history have told us that decay happens always. That things fall apart. Like the only thing that really is guaranteed other than taxes, right? Our decay and ultimately our death. I mean, that's kind of what we have to look forward to. I just had a birthday and it's like, woo, come on. You look in the mirror and you go, decay Happens. <laughs> TK happens. 
Listen, record keepers tell us that the oldest person who has ever lived reached the age of 122. I mean, that's amazing when you think about it, 122 years old. But that's like the best that we can do at trying to like hold on tight to life. Like if I can just, I mean, that would be like the gold standard. But no matter how hard we try to experience more of life or a longer life, decay and death are going to win every single time. The best it seems that we can do in our own strength is to try to capture these little momentary glimpses of what life is like. And then we work desperately to try to hold on to those. And there's actually a lot of people in our, in our society, in our culture, maybe even here today, or joining us online, who, who struggle with depression because they, they feel that life is like slipping away, that those meaningful experiences, I just don't know if I'm gonna be able to like get any more of those in my story. It's in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 25 that it was written this, there is a way that seems right to people. Can you say the word way? There is a way that seems right to people. Like it seems like this would be the way to chase after life, to get after it. There is a way that seems right to people, but that way always is going to end in death. I mean, isn't that our story? Like there's a way that seemed right to us. This was the path that our friends were taking. This is the path that our parents took, the way they lived. We're just following in the footsteps of those around us. Social media influencers are saying, this is the way to go. There seems a way that's right, but it always leads to death. Listen, in our hearts, there is this cry that says, I would do anything to experience real life. I would do anything to experience real life. But sometimes we forget the cry of Jesus that said, I would do anything to give you real life. And that is the very thing that Jesus did on that first Good Friday and that first Easter Sunday. The promise of the cross, the promise of Good Friday is that through the sacrifice of Jesus, that we can be forgiven. Man, the cross secures our forgiveness, that all of our brokenness and sin have been dealt with. Not awesome, but that's different than the promise of Easter. The promise of Easter is not that our forgiveness would be secured. That was already done but that our very life 
would be secured. That our life would be secured through him. Not just here on earth, but forever. Listen, in, in this 260 reading plan that our church has been involved in, we've, we've been reading through the book of Hebrews. In fact, every message that we're bringing through this year is only based on the five chapters that we just read. And so today, as I've been like really thinking through just the Easter story and how, how do I share the Easter story maybe a little different this year and the power of, of that promise of life in Jesus, well, guess where I've been? I've been in this book of Hebrews. So this may be a little different of an Easter message than some of you are used to because we're not just reading through the, the traditional Easter story, but we're gonna find it here because there's a very interesting thing that's been happening in these chapters that we've, we've been reading. In fact, it's about chapter seven through 10 uh, in the book of Hebrews that this very interesting uh, dialogue is going on because the author is pointing to this massive contrast between the approach to get to real life. And what he's doing is he's pointing this picture of like the old way that the people of Israel had sought after life. And it was called the old covenant. It was called the law. And God had given it to the Israelites as a way to like pursue, pursue God, to find life. But what we read in Hebrews is this shocking truth that now the old way of doing things that we would refer to as religion is, check this out, is obsolete. That's a strong word that's dropped in there. It is an obsolete way of trying to find life, even life in God. Religion, it says, is obsolete in Hebrews 8.13. Once, what had once worked for the Israelites in generations past had reached its expiration date on that very first Good Friday and Easter because something new had come. Someone new had come. And it also says in these chapters that this law which had been given to God's people before Jesus had come to earth, that it was only a shadow is the word that is used. It was a shadow, it was like a bookmark. It was temporary, it says. It was imperfect. It could not create a clean conscience. It couldn't really take away our sin. It was imperfect and temporary. It was just a bookmark until that which is perfect and complete would come. And then it says this other thing that I just, I just love. It, you know how like our opportunities to grab hold of life, they, they, like I said, they're like, they just feel momentary. They're fleeting. They're like here and then they're gone. You know, that smile that we capture in our lover's eye, uh, you know, holding that baby or, or whatever it may be that just brings you just fullness of joy. They're, they're fleeting and they're momentary. But what we, what we see here is that this new way that came through Jesus is, is not temporary. 
that it is absolutely eternal. In fact, in these five chapters, it says this five times, that what Jesus came to do, the promise that he came to bring, he did it once for all. Once for all. And I love that phrase because what he did when he went to the cross, he doesn't have to go to the cross over and over. And he doesn't have to rise again over and over and over. He did it once and for all, which captures two realms of time. Both our time on earth has been marked by this beautiful reality of what Jesus had done for us, but he's also secured it for eternity. This promise is not temporary. It is not fleeting. It is not passing. It is forever. The life that Jesus came to bring is life that is eternal. So what did Jesus do that revolutionized history and split like history in two? It's captured in this unique phrase right at the end of these chapters in these discussions from Hebrews 7 through 10. It's found in Hebrews 10, 20, where it says this, that by his death, Jesus opened a new and living way. A new and living way. Can you say those, that phrase, a new and living way. See, Jesus knew that humanity was in desperate need for something new. They had been doing this old religious way of pursuing God and pursuing life for thousands of years, for generations. And you know what? It wasn't working. The world was broken. The world was steeped in death and is is ugly. Jesus knew that there needed to be a new way that would come. Those old ways that seemed right to people, but just led to death, there had to be a new way. And Jesus knew that we needed something that was actually alive. This is a new and living way that would move us beyond those things that just lead to death and to more brokenness. He knew we needed a new and a living way. I love that word way. A new path, a new way of living. Listen, those who have given their lives over to Jesus, it's not just this like one time thing that like, yes, you know, that sounds good. I want that forgiveness. I want this life. No, it is entering into a new way. In fact, in scripture, if you read through the New Testament, you're gonna see something interesting. You know that the word Christian is only used three times? The entire New Testament, the word Christian, it's there, you'll see it. It's only used three times. You know what word is used more times? The way. The Mandalorian wasn't the first one. He said a phrase, this is the way. Friends, there is a way, a new and a living way to walk in. 
that he has given us, a way to live in. And it's new. It's not like all the other old things that seemed right, but just led to death. It was in John chapter 14. John captured these words of Jesus where he explained, he said this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The way, the truth, the life. And he says, no one can come to the Father except through me. And it sounds like, wow, that is so exclusive, Jesus. Really, can you say that? Listen, only if you're God. Only if you're truly the God of the universe could you say these words. I am the truth. I am the way. I am the life. There is no other way. All those other ways that seemed right will only lead to death. And notice this like idea when Jesus said, or when it was said about Jesus that he came to bring a new and living way, it said that this was brought, this way was introduced through his death, which is like seems counterintuitive, doesn't it? That his death would lead to life. But it was his death that secured, remember, our forgiveness. This was like the ransom being paid for all of the brokenness of humanity. I, I want to go to this Brian Johnson and say, Mr. Johnson, I'm sorry, but your $2 million a year won't save you from death and decay. That is the bad news. But there's some really good news. And that is that the price has already been paid. It was paid by Jesus. That was the price for your freedom from all sin, all brokenness. That was the price of being ransomed from death. Peter expressed this a different way. In 1 Peter 1.3, he says, because of God's great mercy, he gave us what? A new life. That is mercy because, man, none of us deserved it. But he brought it anyway for you and for me. Because of God's great mercy, he gave us a new life. One that brings us a living hope through Jesus Christ's resurrection from death. So yes, he died. It paid the price. The ransom has been paid. But man, it is through his resurrection that we now have this living hope of a new life. So, Pastor Tim, that's all great. I, I think I'm capturing the picture. I, I, I'm hearing what you're throwing down. That's very cool. New life through Jesus. Good Friday, Easter. What does this new and living way actually look like? What does it look like in like human terms? I, I'm going to invite a friend to come. Many of you know Pastor Lisa, who's part of our ministry team here. 
And you may know her because she leads our women's ministry. She's up here at altar time and she's praying for people. And, and you go, oh my goodness, man, what a beautiful life. And she doesn't she just radiate Jesus? It's like, woo! You know, she does. I saw her husband clapping right there. Yes, she does. And thank you, Jesus. But you know what? Sometimes we like see people in the newness of life and we forget. That's not where they started. That, that's not, you, you just didn't come out this way. No. <laughs> you tried some other paths sure that seemed right. Yes, I did. I want, would you just like share with us just a little bit of your story and the old ways that seem right and then this new and living way? family where alcohol abuse, drug addiction, and violence was the norm. It's what I saw. It's what I knew. It was my home life. These traumas, I carried them into my adult life. See, I was searching for love. I was searching for security. I was searching for those things that I needed that I did not have as a young girl. And I was looking for love in all the wrong places. I thought that security and happiness were found in relationships. And I was always looking for that to be filled within me. But no one could fill the void that I felt within me. Yeah. No one, not one thing could fill that void. I tried everything. I fell heavy into substance abuse. And I started doing every type of drug at the age of 10. I was smoking, drinking, doing all drugs, anything and everything. When I was around 10 years old, maybe a little younger, my mom was murdered. And it felt like a bomb had went off in my life. And I started trying to numb every pain that I had. And I fell into the substance abuse and into that lifestyle. And I thought that that lifestyle was a way of happiness. I thought that that lifestyle would bring everything that I needed. But it was a counterfeit. And it only offered me more trauma. And it offered me more unhappiness. And violence, it was in me. It's because it's what I saw. It's what I knew. And I thought that that's how you handle things. So I was ready at a moment. And I fought all the time. I was ready to fist fight at any moment. And I fought many times because I was so angry and I was so bitter and full of rage that I thought that's how you deal with things. I don't say any of this in pride because I know who I am and I know who I was. And I know that I was lost. And it was at that moment that I never thought I would give these things up. It was my life, and I was stuck. I was stuck not only in this life that I had created out of habits and patterns and choices that I've made. I was stuck, and I didn't know how to break them. But then Jesus enters the picture. And he offers me this new and better way. And I started to recognize that I was a broken person. And I realized the magnitude of my brokenness. And I began to ask God and cry out and move towards him. And as I did, is when I started to have my mind and my heart and my life be transformed. 
and I no longer was living in that lifestyle that offered me nothing but a counterfeit happiness. Yes. And you know, since then, Pastor Tim, life has not always been easy, and I'm not perfect. None of us are. But I'll tell you what, since that day I said yes, my life has been better. Yeah. Lisa, would, would you say that it was a new and living way that Jesus uh, introduced to you? It surely was. Yeah. It surprised me. Yes. <laughs> so surprise is a great word. What, what is one thing that like looking back from the old to the new, kind of from death to life, what is one thing that has surprised you the most of like this transition, this transformation. I think what surprised me the most is that he used those very things that were destroying me. Wow. He used those very things that brought me a lot of pain and he made purpose out of them because it allows me to go in after those people. It allows wow. me to go to those yeah. places because so there's good. nothing that anybody could say that would cause me to go, I just don't understand it because I do understand it. Yeah. And he uses those very things that hurt us so that we can go in and help others find the better way. That's the surprising Whoa. part. I love that. Yeah, so, so this new and living way, when we, when we join him on his path that he has for us, it's like we get to like pull in others on, on the way as, as well. Like it's not just for me, it's like for us. It's like, could you imagine if like Santa Maria, like if the story that, that you lived and when we look around, we see the brokenness, we know some of the statistics, we know that kids right at 10 years old and in middle school and high school are doing dangerous, harmful things, right? We just know, why? Because there is a way that seems right yes. to people yes. in our humanity, in our brokenness. But I'm telling you, what if your story like, were, was actually able to like, captivate the imagination of our community, of, like, of other 10-year-olds, of middle schoolers, of high schoolers, or of, of grandparents, right? Like everyone, like I can be a part of this new and living way through Jesus. That's the key is to be transparent and show, share your story because yeah. it may reach one person. And if, if God can do it for me, then surely he could do it for anybody. Amen. <laughs> Woo! Thank you, Lisa. Oh. Listen, and, and just earlier in, in our time of worship, we celebrated with a bunch of other people who said, I am now part of this new and living way. They did it through the waters of baptism. Like literally, and I just love baptism because it is, it's kind of like a one-person play. I want you to think about it for, for a moment. It's kind of like a one-person play where, where, the, where the stage becomes the water, where the person who is being baptized becomes the actor in the play. But it's God himself who is the, the, the author of the play and who is the director of the play. And he says, now go show the world what it looked like when you join me on this new and living way. Show them what it looks like. 
Because baptism is this beautiful reenactment of what God does on the inside when we go from death to life. It is a reenactment of the reality that there is a new way. Yes, death and baptism, you know, that symbolism of being buried just under the water, just for a moment. But it's that symbolic reenactment of death being a part of this story. But we don't leave people under. Because Good, Good Friday happened. That Easter is here. It's a new way. It's a living way. It is the way to new life. Do you remember Jesus' words we started with? I am the resurrection and the life. That was part of a little bit longer statement. We're gonna finish just by looking at these words of Jesus kind of in context. Jesus is speaking to his very dear friend, Martha. Her brother, Lazarus, had just died and she'd gotten word to him, come. And he turns to Martha and he speaks these words. I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. I mean, listen, isn't that the reality? Isn't it great that God never like skirts reality or tries to like sugarcoat? Because what? In, in this mortal life and on this world, right, other than taxes, decay and death are like kind of guaranteed. They're baked into our DNA as human beings. But Jesus says that this life that I'm bringing is not only for here and now, it's forever. I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me. In other words, you could say anyone who joins me in this new and living way, who lives in me and believes in me will never die. And then he finishes with, do you believe this, Martha? Do you believe this, David? Do you believe this, Rick? Do you believe this? Do you believe Jesus' statement of reality that there is a new and a living way? A living hope that leads us to new life. Let's pray. Jesus, sometimes when we just look in the mirror, what we see is we see death and we see decay because we know our own stories. We know our own brokenness. God, we, we, we see it in our own lives. We see it right around us, sometimes in our family stories and our family histories. We see it definitely when we turn on the news, we see brokenness and death and decay. But Jesus, your promise, and it's the promise of Easter that there is a new and a living way. It's not religious. It's not somehow trying to do my best at upholding every rule and regulation. No, it's a new way. It's a living way.
It's the way of Jesus. It's the way of repentance. It's the way of forgiveness. It's the way of mercy and of grace. Friends, it's the way of love. I've asked Lisa to come and join me as we pray. And Lisa, I just, I just, this wasn't part of our plan going into today. But when we were in worship today, I just walked over to Lisa and said, Lisa, would you, would you pray? Would you, would you pray for all of those who need this new life, who need this, this new and living way? Because everything that seemed right, that they've tried, has been leading to death. You know, whoever you are, maybe you came with a family member. Maybe you're wondering why you're here. But Pastor Tim's message is saying that there is a new living way. The word of God says there's a new living way. I'm living proof that there's a new living way. And so don't let these words just be a good Sunday, a good Easter Sunday. I want everybody to take a moment and just kind of reflect on your life. And if today was your very last moment and you were to stand before the king, are you living your best? Are you living the new life, the new way? Or are you still saying, I'm stuck? I recognize what that young girl is saying. Older girl is saying, you know, she was stuck and I'm stuck too. But today, don't leave here. We want to give you an opportunity to say yes, because that's all it is. It's not about a religion. It's about just a simple yes and believing. And so we want with eyes closed and no one looking around. If that's you today and you're saying, I need to say yes. Yeah. I need Jesus. this, Jesus. Yeah. I need him. He's the way. Okay, I need the way. He's the truth. Okay, I need the truth. I need the life. And so if that's you, would you just be so bold as I was this morning when I walked up and, and gave you all my stuff? Yeah. Would you say yes? Yeah. Would you just raise your hand to acknowledge Thank so that you, Pastor Jesus. Tim and I yeah. can pray for you? Yeah. I see your yes. Yeah. I see your we, yes. Yeah, so I see your yes. I see your yes. I see your yes. I see your yes. And I see your yes. And you know who sees your yes is Jesus sees your yes. Yeah. Yeah. He sees it. Yeah. Yeah. And it just takes saying yes every day, one yes at a time. It didn't happen overnight for me. It was one moment at a time, getting up and falling down and saying yes to Jesus. And so we invite you, if you want to come up, we have a prayer team that will come up and pray with you. And we have this yes booklet that tells you, prayer team, you can come on up. We have this yes booklet. And this will tell you what to do one day at a time, one step at a time, one moment at a time. But don't leave today. Don't rush. Family gatherings are great. But having a moment with Jesus, you'll never be the same. Yeah. So we want to invite you to up to the altars to say, hey, I said yes today. Or, hey, I want to do this. And we're going to pray for you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Listen, there was right now just a a score of people in the room that just said yes to Jesus. This little booklet, the yes booklet, don't leave without that because very simply it talks about what what did it mean to say yes to Jesus and like how do I keep saying yes to him? And one of the ways is, guess what? Being baptized in water. We look forward to helping you walk out your yes before Jesus. 
So don't leave today before coming up and getting one of those booklets. Say, just say, hey, can I get one of those yes booklets? I would like, I'd like to have one. And then as also as a reminder on your way out, if you don't have a Bible, man, we want to gift you with that. I think it's one of the best things that we can do as a church is not charge people for God's word. We want to give you a Bible. And then you can join us on our 260 reading plan tomorrow, Hebrews 13. Tuesday, we start in the book of Mark, one chapter a day, Monday through Friday. If your kids would be blessed on this path of life by going to camp, man, make sure in the courtyard to pick up one of those camp packets to learn more about how your kids can participate in camp. While you're out there, make a friend, get some coffee, have a donut, just enjoy being together. There is no rush and there's no rush in here. Come and receive prayer. Come and receive ministry. Church, you are loved. You are loved. So glad you are here. Man, spread the life of Jesus wherever you go today. Happy Resurrection Day. Come, come and receive ministry. Come and receive ministry.